Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined now by a special guest, Grant McCagg, the editor-in-chief, owner, operator of Recruits.ca, and co-host of the new podcast, The Recruits Podcast. Welcome to the show, Grant. Well, I know you said and, and then you were gonna you're gonna say something else there, but uh, well, was it like really really great guy, and you, you changed your mind, or what? What was what were you gonna say? We could go with that if you want. Okay, good, good, perfect answer. Because I want to make this a family show. I don't want to make it, you know. <laughs> How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. Uh, how about you? Oh yeah, couldn't be better. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're out there flying around. You're on Tony's show, uh, Tony Marinaro's show. You're you got your own podcast. You're uh, yeah. you're looking a lot busier now. Yeah, yeah. Finally, you know, big and hit the big time high enough to get back on your show. So that's that's good. It, it did take a lot. I mean, uh, your agent was very demanding <laughs> in uh, in the uh, the contract, but I, I figure we 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 evened it out. <laughs> what do you think of? You like my new uh, sweatshirt or what? The new merch, yeah, it's it's yeah. nice. Yeah, it's a beauty, eh? And Nick uh, from Insta Customs is... sent me that. Uh, okay. I went to talk to him the other day on Twitter, but I noticed his account suspended, so I don't know what that's all about. But must have said something about Elon Musk. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> are, are is that merch for sale now? Do you got a website for it? No. No. Nobody can have it's nobody exclusive. but I can wear this. So that makes it that much more special. When I come on these shows, it's like, wow, one in a six billion, seven billion. How many how many on the planet now? Uh seven and a half. I think it's closer to eight now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. China is like working a on that billion more uh, every uh, couple of years there, it seems like. So, yeah. 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 Well, Russia's working on lowering the population right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could have a whole podcast discussion about that. I'm sure. Um, if I were ever allowed to speak about politics <laughs> publicly, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll go back to hockey and I, I brought you on so that we can talk about prospects, uh, the Canadians prospects, the upcoming draft. You have a draft list that's coming out soon. Um, so why don't we just start with the Habs prospects? Um, it's been a long time since the Canadians have had this deep a prospect pool of players who could legitimately play in the NHL. I agree. I think it's been at least a quarter of a century, you know. We're looking back at the Eric Desjardins, Patrice Riesbois, uh, you know, Matthew Schneider, Patrick Waugh, Stefan Richer, Shane Carson, that that group in the early 80s that uh, Serge Savard, you know, and it, he had a great scouting staff at those, at those times, you know, and uh, I, I think a key was that they had a lot of top 90 picks over over a stretch there, you know. Uh, Serge knew that, uh, I think he learned from Sam Pollock, you know, the best there ever was that the you only hit on, you know, one in three, maybe if you're lucky. So if you have three, you're going to hit on one for sure. So, so get three every two, you know, get three in uh, every 40 picks or whatever, if you can. And Bergevin, it was nice that Bergevin, the last two or three years, I think caught on to that, you know, yeah. Um, and he stockpiled a lot of picks, and you, I think we're seeing the the fruition of it of it there now. You know where all these kids are getting signed that that are promising, and it's been a long time that that we've had that. You know, and 
over the next year, you're going to see Laval is going to be at least half the team is going to be good, good young prospects. And, uh, it's been, uh, it's been many years since that was the case. It seems like, uh, you know, uh, we went through two or three GMs that, that wanted to, uh, keep trying to win too, too quickly. And, uh, I don't think, uh, that, that was the, the approach it had to be taken. I think they needed to get a lot of draft picks over a four or five year period again. And, uh, and you know, the more draft picks you have, the more guys you hit on. It's that simple. Like there's no, you know, there's no other tried and true method of, of drafting well, other than having the quantity. And if you have the quantity, then, then you, you will end up just the numbers tell you that you'll end up with the quality and, and, and it's, it's happening with the Habs. Yeah. And, and, as much as much credit as we can give to Hughes and his development program and the the drafting that they've done the last, they've only had one draft so far. It was a good draft, but they've only had the one. So the majority of these prospects are the ones that have been handed over from Bergevin and Timmons, like you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think what one of the many things I, I haven't, there's no, parts of the new regime that, that I have, uh, you know, that, that I, I think they've, that I can say anything negative about. And, uh, one of the positives is that, uh, and I think this is something that he's done better than Bergman did is that he's, uh, you know, he's signing the picks and, uh, has full, uh, full intention on developing them properly. You know, seemed like there was a disconnect at times between, you know, uh, Timmons would draft the players and then uh, Bergevin wouldn't sign them. And, you know, it's tough to get better, I think, when you're, uh, you know, you're drafting free agents or you're, you're, you're not signing your draft picks and believing in them and, and at least having the patience to, to sign them and to try to develop them, you know. Uh, Montreal seemed to take the approach that Bergevin would, would rather sign free agents from the Quebec League especially that were never drafted and then not have the contracts to sign his own draft picks, which I, you know, I think he had to have the pay, a bit more patience there with, and a bit more trust in what the scouting staff was doing. Cause they'd end up going to, uh, you know, going to the farm team and then not getting a really good opportunity, not developing, losing their confidence at the pro level and never developing. So Hughes is, you know, since he took over, he signed a pile of, of picks from the previous, you know, regime, which tells me that a, he thought that, you know, at the end, Timmons and Marty, uh, drafted well, and that, you know, uh, you sign these guys and you, um, you try to develop them properly and, and hope that, uh, you can build, you know, from within instead of always trying to get the, you know, the journeyman 22 year old or uh kid that you know never got drafted that nobody else really wants and and end up signing him and hoping that he uh he develops as opposed to like a top 60 pick you know like a josh brook like it just uh, uh, i've talked to with you know to trevor about it a few times and it frustrated him as much as it did me that you know kid like that didn't really get a chance and never got a chance in the power play in Laval. And he was uh, maybe the best power play guy in junior hockey, you know, his last year yet, uh, you know, Bouchard would trot out uh, Willette for every power play who had never scored 25 points as a pro, you know, at 27 years of age was not going to develop into an NHL power play guy, you know, <laughs> but uh, instead of, ever trying uh josh brooke as, as a power play defenseman he either sat him on the bench or put him up at forward or you know used him on the third pair and would never use him on the power play and it, it was stuff like that where where i think hughes has, has you know he's made a point of it hey developing is trusting in the draft picks that you made uh signing them developing them properly, you know, getting the skills coach that 
Bergevin ever got. Uh, all that stuff, I think, it, it, our moves in the in the right direction. The you know, Bergevin did a lot of great things. I thought like uh, he was very good trader. Like there was only a couple times that he didn't really make good trades, but you know, coaches not being on the same page as the scouting staff, uh, the coaches that he hired, signing them long-term. So they had, you know, they didn't have to change their philosophies or, or, you know, uh, yeah, they were, they were, they stubborn. were immune to credit. They were immune to criticism at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, uh, and they're not being that, uh, continuity within the, the organization that Hughes has, has, gone out of his way to do that and i think i mean it, it was frustrating for the scouts too you know you uh, i know that you know you, you draft these guys and they need they don't get the opportunities and it's just it, it you know it 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 didn't develop it didn't develop goodwill it, within the organization and i think hughes has a lot better approach to it than than bergevin in that regard and it's uh it's only going to pay dividends, I think, in the future. I agree. And in looking at the 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 approach both GMs have had, I mean, Belgevin was he came up through hockey as a player. He was a journeyman defenseman, and you kind of saw he had a penchant for those hardworking types because that's what he was. Whereas Hughes, uh, he he's a he's a lawyer, he's an agent, he's got more of those. Uh, reading people skills he's able mm. to uh marry up his vision with the, uh, these players and kind of get them motivated and pushed in the right direction so it, the approach of the two gms while i agree that belgevin had great track record trading uh hughes i think was going to have a much better track record overall uh because of his focus on draft development and personnel, because now all these players that are showing up, they're being given opportunities. And when they're shown that they're getting opportunities, not just power play at Laval or whatever, it's when they get call-ups, they put in the work, they get the call-up and free agents see that. So now Montreal can become a little bit more of a destination for free agents because of it. Yeah, no, I agree completely, and uh, so does uh, so does our Yorkie. Apparently, yeah, he's yeah, he's at the door barking. I'm down here alone, so you might have to put up with a little bit of little bit of barkage here. Uh, no, it, you know, and you make a good point about uh, about sorry, who did you Bergevin? I can't pronounce it nearly yeah. as as well as you. <laughs> Is that close? Close. I mean, you're in Ottawa. You should be able to. Yeah. Okay. Bergevin. Harley's a two. Bergevin is my my version. Bergevin isn't. Uh, okay. No, I'm not that bad with it. But yeah. But Bergevin. That that's about as close as I. How about I call him Bergie? Is that Bergie? Yeah. Yeah. But now that now that we've covered that part, uh, we could break into the prospects themselves. Uh, right. There's one prospect that I wanted to bring up that uh, a lot of people are kind of disappointed with, but I I want to give him a little bit more time, and that's Jan Mishak. He's had a bit of a disappointing yeah. year in Laval. Right. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, how old is he? 21? 20, maybe? Just, Might just have just turned, turned 21? Like, some, at the start yeah. of the year, he was 20, right? Yeah. So, you know, a kid uh, that's played, what, maybe 100 games in uh, North America before this season, 20 years old. Uh, exactly. You know, I I think maybe we expected a little little more production from him than, than we've gotten. That, that's fair to say. But I, I, I'm not surprised that it, that it took him, you know, some some adaptation there, we'll say. And uh, yeah, I, I've I've liked what I've seen from him recently. Like in games that you know, he's uh, I think he's getting used to the pace, um, you know, the size, the, the maturity, the skill. It's mm -hmm. uh, 
I mean, I didn't have high expectations for him, to be honest with you. With you. you know, I, I kind of see him as a bubble guy for an NHL spot. So, uh, you know, just looking at the points and you think, okay, well, he's a, he's a long shot for sure. But, uh, you know, it may be another team that he ends up making the NHL with because I think Montreal's, you know, in the pecking order, he's probably somewhere 15 to 20, you know, among among prospects at this point. Yeah, he's falling down that depth chart. But that's, it's, a you know, the top 14 are very good prospects. And uh, yes. I think you're going to see some of them move on and play on other teams. And perhaps Meshach's one of them. Perhaps he's, you know, perhaps he's a guy that uh, that ends up uh, uh, playing two or three years in the HL and then and then uh, moving on to another team, you know. But Montreal wants those character kind of guys in the bottom line roles, and that's certainly, you know, part of his game uh, for sure. Where I think he he's the kind of player that you you want to have in your bottom two lines going down the road yeah Yeah, whether it's him or not i mean is another question but you know same with uh, harvey pinard you know i see him as a a really nice uh just someone that you know is going to give his heart and soul every game uh you know, if whatever role you put him in, kind of like a Lekkonen type, where, well, we'll put you on the first line today. Okay, sure, and, and you know, do his job defensively and work hard like he does every game. Harvey Pinard's that type of player too. I can see, you know, and uh, Mishak's a bit like that as well. So, you know, it, it, give him another year or two in the AHL. Uh, I think the point totals will increase every year, and who knows, he might carve out a niche as a utility guy that uh that that you can count on to 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 give 100 percent every game and that seems to be the type of player that they're trying to find is that hard working uh team first type of player the kind of the kind of player that will focus on their defensive game but also give a little bit of the jam on that going forward now Right. <laughs> There's the Arky. Maybe this will um, quiet him down. <laughs> maybe. Or, but that's uh Ted. Yeah. That's Ted. Yeah. Ted dancing. Look at the hair on him. Look at the hair on him. We're going to groomer on uh Thursday. It's been five months. Oh. The winter time, eh? You don't bother. Yeah. No. You you want you don't want them to freeze, so sorry. But back Go to ahead. yeah, it's okay. Back to back to the prospects. There's another center that I was that uh doesn't get a lot of Real a lot of discussion about him, and that's Jared Davidson. He was a an overager that they drafted a little bit later in the draft, but he goes back to the WHL and he's he's leading his team in points. Uh, he's a massive goal. He's an important goal scorer for them, and now they're they're doing really well in the playoffs because of his his work ethic, his drive, the the approach to the game that he makes, just like the players that we just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, he's another one. I, I I really liked him last year, and I was glad glad to see him drafted. You know, I think there were a lot of teams that wouldn't have picked him because he was a uh, you know he's already passed over before and stuff, and uh, he's not a great skater. You know, it's the same with Meshack, and it's the same with Harry Pernard. They're not, you know, they're not excelling because of their skating ability. It's it's everything else. You know, and. Davidson yeah. is such a smart, competitive kid that uh, he, he's going to be a great uh, AHL player, I think. And who knows down the road, the the fact that he, he that he can play center is, you know, uh, I I like Montreal's approach, and uh, you see it with a lot of teams where you, you know, it, as many of the guys on the t- uh, on the forward roster as possible can play can play center. Because uh, you know, situational face-offs and and what have you, guy gets thrown out. Next guy that comes in, oh, he just happened to be a good centerman, too, a good face-off guy too. You know, it's important those little uh, getting possession of the puck. You know, so yeah. uh, the more centers 
in the top 12, the, the better, as far as I'm concerned, you, you know, just like the Canada cup teams, how many, you know, world cup teams did they Olympic teams, what, nine, 10 centers out of the forward roster, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. uh, it, you can, oh, a centerman can always play wing. It's easiest transition there is in hockey. So, uh, you know, it, it I like that approach as well. And Davidson, yeah, he'll be, uh, uh, Laval's going to be a very strong young team next year. It's going to be really fun to watch him next year for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, they're they're doing their playoff push right now, and they've got some very good young talent making a difference on that team. Emil Heineman showing up and just lighting up the AHL. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he I think he's more suited to the North American game than the uh, Swedish, uh, the SHL. Really, you know, he's a he's a burly kid. He's pretty strong, uh, good along the wall, north south type of game. Uh, really good shot, smart. Um, he pushes for a spot next year for sure. Like uh, I think yeah, Gurianov, you know, people talk about Gurianov. I, I just assume give give that opportunity to uh Heineman than Garyanov at what a third of the price so you know take that two million and uh put it towards Caulfield's contract extension or you know getting a free agent or or what have you you know so I I uh I think he has a really good because he had a very good camp you know and uh if he does that again next year after what he's shown in Laval so far, I, I think he stands a good chance of uh, winning a spot next year. I I honestly think he is going to be in that that mix as well. Uh, but on Gurianov, I mean, he doesn't have to, they don't have to offer him the qualifying offer. They no. could sign him for a really cheap one-year deal. And if he doesn't make the team, wave him. Who cares? Yeah. Right? They, he can... If he doesn't want to play in the AHL, he can go to Europe if he wants, or someone will pick him up, and that's fine. It's it's very low risk. It really doesn't hurt the Canadians in any way, because if he does, uh, the only reason he would be kept is so that they can keep somebody on the NHL roster, so that younger guys can get more playing time down in Laval. Guys like uh, uh, yeah. uh, or or Kidney, if they decide to move him up, I think he can still play junior. But those types of players. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, it may be Heinemann, you know. Maybe yeah. they decide Heinemann, we'd like to give him another half a year in the AHL or, or what have you. Yeah, exactly. If they do bring back Garyanov, I don't think it will be because they gave him a qualifying offer. I think it'll be that scenario, as you say, where he... He signs at a million and a half for a year and say, look, we'll take a, we wouldn't, wouldn't mind you back, but we can't, you know, 13 goals a season, uh, you know, uh, in the top six, top nine role isn't a three and a half million dollar contract. Sorry. You know, uh, I, I think, I, yeah, I can't see them giving them a qualifying offer. And as you say, perhaps he comes back. I think, uh, you know, it sounds like Marty likes the kid, you know, like the comments he made about him after all the kerfuffle about, uh, you know, not not wearing the jersey, uh, the rainbow jersey and stuff, uh, you know. Yeah. And, and any time I've seen him interacting when the camera's on him and stuff, he looks like a, not like a Markov type Russian that's just acerbic and doesn't really say anything. I think he's got a bit of, you know, he's a bit personable and, and seems like not a bad kid. So, you know, maybe they, maybe they do bring him back. He certainly, you, you see glimpses, you know, at times, yeah. if he ever got consistency, it, it's kind of like the Russian Armia, you know, like. Why do we have both on the same roster though? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. Do you want to, you know, like uh, once, go out and get the finish Armia. Well, the other one does. What's so that? if one doesn't play well, if one doesn't play well, the other one does, and then vice yeah. versa. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, yeah. If Bergie was was still here, he'd get the, you know, he'd go get the, you know, the Russian Armia, the the Swedish Armia, and the Canadian Armia, and you know. But yeah, I think I I, I would 
prefer to give that role to uh, either a free agent or a uh, or a young lad that's got more consistency. And you know, you, the only thing people like to say, well, he's got size though, and he needs size. But if you don't use your size, it doesn't matter that you have size. And uh, you know, he could be six eight. You know, if he doesn't go in the corners and do some banging, it doesn't matter. You know, so I I would like to see them get have somebody in that role that brings a little more sandpaper. You know. Now speaking of sandpaper, uh, Jaden Struble, he signed his he signed his contract, joined the uh, the Laval Rocket for the on an AT, well uh, an AHL deal for the rest of the season. He's brought uh, quite a bit of grit and sandpaper to the roster in these yeah. last few games. Yeah. Well, does that surprise you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But He's... how much? How much more does he really need? Does he need another full season, two full seasons uh, with Laval, or do you see? Do you see more? Uh, uh, the NHL window closer. Uh, he doesn't look that far off. Have you seen some of the, some of the games? I have. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he's making a real nice first pass. You know, he certainly can, uh, can keep up at the HL level. No problem. You know, he's got the skating ability. He's got the, uh, that little bit of edge to his game. Um, it's a numbers thing really is the only, you know, uh, he'd probably play a, a play a full year in Laval I think next year and um you know you'll reassess it at the end at the end of the year I mean it, there'll be injuries I'm sure next season and he'll get a look it's tradition know. at this point yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean uh who knows I, I think you know if and when he does get called up to the NHL I don't see him looking out of place you know he's got the it's got the physical skills and the only question will be, can he handle it uh, mentally at, at, you know, at this point, he's still Greg. I think he's 21. He doesn't turn uh, 22 till September. So yeah, he started yeah, when he started college, right. he was 17. So, yes. you know, uh, which it's such a rarity, you know, when he was at his first uh, training camp in, Northeastern, he was 17 years of age still, which is pretty impressive, yeah. you know? So, um, and he's, he's there's no rush on him. Bit. What's that? He's also thinned out. He was, when he was drafted, he was about 200 pounds. Now he's down about five or six pounds from that, but you can tell he's much stronger. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's sinewy, you know? It's funny when I talk to, uh, talk to him, you know, he's never fought. He never fought in college. And uh, never really fought in minor hockey because they had the cages on and stuff. And but he's but he he told me he could handle himself. So you know he's he's uh, he's been in a scrap or two. So you know on on pavement, I guess or whatever. You know at some point in his life and knows you know like he said I can throw him. You know I can throw both hands. You know I, so he's uh, I, I'm you know I asked him about it because the way he rocks guys and th there's going to be guys that challenge him. Like it's coming really soon. And, uh, yeah. And know. his hits are all clean. So yeah, but it doesn't challenge seem to matter. Clean hits. No, it doesn't. You know, because players it, are, are soft snowflakes at this point. Well, yeah, you can't hit anybody hard anymore or oh. somebody will come, you know, knight in shining armor will come to the rescue, you know? So you're hurting their pride more than their body. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so he'll be in a scrap sooner or later. And I, I look forward to seeing seeing it because I think he can really handle himself. You know, he'll be maybe not in a jack eye, you know, because just weight class type thing. But uh, I think he, he'll get challenged a couple of times in the AHL and then he probably won't get challenged anymore. That would be my that would be my thought on him. So I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah, I, I, I truly think that between him and Trudeau uh, down in Laval, that the options for Hughes to make trades with left-handed defensemen 
skyrockets because there's so many young players. He can actually package up one or two of these young defensemen in separate deals if he wants to, to really fill in other gaps in the system. Yeah. Even Norlander hasn't looked that bad, you know, like, uh, I mean, he's what, 22, you know, another left defenseman. And they've got, you know, they've got a kid named Hudson that I hear is pretty good too. Uh, I, I vaguely remember that name. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, left uh, and uh, Engstrom. We haven't even mentioned Adam Engstrom, who might be my favorite, uh, you yeah. know, uh, sleeper uh, prospect. So, <laughs> and he had an outstanding season as well. So, yeah, he, yes, he, definitely. He worked his way up, he worked his way up Rogel's uh, roster yeah. really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, uh, you know, there's, they could trade two or three defense prospects over the next, uh, couple of years and still, and still be fine. You know, they got Jack, I Gooley, <laughs> like, you know, um, yeah. Um, and then on the other side, Kovacevic, uh, uh, you know, Mayu Baron. I think they'll probably, I don't know if you're going to ask me this question or not about who they might pick it in the top 10. Was that yeah, something that yeah, that's was on good. The... That's going to be coming up. I, I want, but I wanted to ask you about Mayu first okay. because he's had himself an excellent offensive season and yeah. the games that I've watched, I, I've watched uh, six different games of his and in all of them, he looked very, very good, but there are still gaps in his game. Yeah. Six games you've seen. Where's the where's yeah. the scouting report for recruits? I <laughs> well uh-huh. I mean so the truth comes out. Well, I'm gonna be bugging as soon as we're off air here, you're getting a text about that. Uh oh. Uh oh. I wanna <laughs> I wanna blame Potman Special. It's been a while since you wrote an article for recruits too. So Yeah, it has. Might well, have to, I mean, that might be the one. Might we'll be. Just, you, you got to commit to it right here on air. So then, uh, I don't know. I got to ask my wife permission first. Okay. Okay. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. See, smart. So, so Logan, uh, uh, yeah. Um, in the playoffs there, he was averaging 28 minutes a game and was on for two goals against facing, uh, Kobe Barlow, you know, pretty much every shift. Uh, like all these scouts, uh, so-called scouts or whatever that, uh, come on and say that, you know, he's atrocious. I've read a lot of comments about, oh, he's atrocious defensively and over the last couple of years. And it's just, I mean, he needs work, but he's played less than a hundred OHL games, you know, like defense is not something that you just learn, uh, sitting up in the stands for two years. I don't care if he was 23. He still got he still got repetitions. He still got a you know situations that he has to experience uh, in game situations where you learn. You know, uh, okay, uh, my positioning has got to be better there. Oh, I shouldn't try to rush there. I should pass quicker. Uh, I mean, he's he, and I've seen a progression as years gone on with all that. But you know, if if he was terrible defensively, would Dale Hunter? use him, you know, on his first PK, uh, four on threes, uh, 28 minutes a game uh, on the t- top pairing against other teams, top pairings, uh, when they're down, when they're up a goal, he's on the ice. Uh, you know, I'll trust Dale Hunter's, uh, uh, feeling on his defensive game more so than, than, uh, you know, uh, people on Twitter that are, that are saying that he's, uh, you know, horrific defensively, but sure. He's still got, you know, he's, he still makes mistakes that, that, that could, that could be corrected. But when you're playing 28 minutes a game, you're, you're hundred to 200, you know, puck touches a game. You, you're going to have mistakes, uh, you know, whatever level you're playing at. So uh, you take the good with the bad and there's a heck of a lot more good than bad with Logan Mayu. Well, he plays such a physical style as well. He's he's willing to to engage physically, especially on the defensive side. The 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 parts that I've seen, 
that I felt were a bit raw were he overcommits on the physical side at times, trying to mm. compensate for positioning. Right. Well, that's not a bad thing, is it? Well, it's not you know? terrible. It's that's something that could be fixed with the right coaching. Oh yeah. Not Better that Dale rein, Hunter's it, doing a bad job. I, I'd rather rein in than, you know, whip. You know, uh, yeah. You know, like uh, you know, um, those things are teachable, and uh, uh, I'd much rather him have a physical side to him. And you know, I mean, Struble's same way in college at that age. You know, they've had to work on him, and you can see already the that he's learned in the last couple of years where, Oh, whoa, just don't overcommit to the hit. Uh, you know, you'll, your time will come to hit. You don't have to nail guys every shift. And, uh, yeah. And again, he's played a hundred games or so at the OHL level. And it's just, uh, it's a matter of reps and, um, he'll probably go to Laval. Like I expect that he'll play in Laval next year just because he needs more experience, but he, you know, he'll probably score 15, 20 goals next year as an AHL rookie and get called up and, and, you know, halfway through the year and, and be an NHLer for the rest of his career. That's what I expect. And that's, that's partly problem as well because of his off ice issues and the NHL's, uh, unwillingness to allow him to join the league, even though he's under contract, uh, I guess the Canadians have to pay a tax. I have no idea. Um, but wouldn't he, would he be better off to be part of a trade somewhere so you can get a fresh start? How did you cough without there being a sound? That, I'm pretty impressed by that. No, no, I'm just, yeah, yeah. Only man I've ever I'm met you, that, can, that can cough without uh, making a noise. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, uh, I don't foresee a problem with him. Uh, there you go again. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, Liam McGuire, you know, tweeted a good point about, uh, you know, Craig McTavish, Danny Heatley, they got reinstated after they paid their penance, you know, did, you can't say what he did was worse than what, what they did. So Danny Heatley killed someone. So did Craig McTavish. So yeah. 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 That's pretty you know. bad. Yeah. I put it a, you know, a notch above. So, uh, uh, I, I think that he'll be reinstated and it, it you know, um, I, I'm uh, the fact that they allowed Montreal to sign him to a contract, I think told that was when you, that was the signal from the NHL that he's going to be, he'll be reinstated when, when his uh, junior season's over and they, he applies or whatever it is, unless something happens between now and then, but. Hopefully not. He's been, uh, you know, from all indications and talking to Rob Ramage and, and, and even meeting Logan myself, like he's, I think he's figured out a lot. Uh, he, yeah. He's kept his nose clean and, you know, has learned from his mistake and is uh, doing everything uh, that, that he needs to do to, uh, to move on from it and grow. We'll look forward to seeing what will happen you. with him. There can you hear go. me now? There we yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, I do look forward to seeing what will happen with him next season, but I'd like that. I'm really enjoying what he's doing in the playoffs right now. So I want to go to the draft. Uh, actually, I'm going to go to the draft. Am I going to see you there? Yeah. You're heading going to, to Nashville? Nash, Nashtown? Yeah. Not me, no. They don't, you don't want to go watch some allow me drag shows? No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to Nashville. Not a country oh, music fan, not a, no. They had it in Memphis or Detroit Rock City. Count me, I'll be there in a millisecond. Anyhow, 
the Canadians will be there and they're going to be picking early. Yeah. Now, the, right now they sit at around five. I'm guessing they will be five or six. That's my guess. So looking at your list, you have several very interesting names, some that are a little bit different than other public lists. Huh. Now, I I pref- I like your your method of putting the 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 list together because you take into account comments from multiple scouts. Yeah. I do. NHL scouts. Yeah. I, so you you have I, a little bit more of a finger on the pulse of what NHL scouts are thinking. Yeah, well I, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have worked as a scout in the NHL and uh got to know some some uh, NHL scouts through the years and kept contact and became good friends with and uh you know, we we talk draft all the time. So yeah, I I weigh in what they say quite heavily because they're the ones going to the rink 200 times a year. They can afford it, you know. Well, it's not that they can afford it. Their clubs can afford it, you know. I don't have any anybody paying me to fly around the, the world to uh, see these kids all over. So I, uh, I do a pile of video scouting and get out to as many games as I can, but nothing beats seeing them live and nothing beats the opinions of NHL scouts, I don't think, because they're, you know, they're the ones getting paid the big bucks. They're the ones that have been doing it for, you know, all of the guys that I, I, uh, you know, rely on for, for their uh, input or have, have all scouted at least 15 years in the NHL. So I think it's one of the things about scouting is the, the the more experience you get, the more, you know, you learn from your mistakes because every scout makes mistakes. And uh, I think it, it, it's so handy to get that experience and to, to rely on these people with experience to, to not only mentor me, but to, uh, you know, steer me in the right direction when I make my lists. And, you know, I I can like a kid on video, but uh, I may not be seeing uh, something that they do uh seeing them live three or four times so it's uh i rely heavily on on these guys i kind of how i approach it is they're like my scouting staff even though you know <laughs> they're 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 here and i'm here right but the, i get their input you know and uh i make the final decision on my my rankings based on what i see as well and uh try to put together a a list that um reflects probably where most nhl teams are leaning towards when it comes to to drafting but also with my own uh and their obviously input on on guys specifically so uh you know it's fun doing every year i mean it's you never get it right but uh uh, you know, I mean, if you, if you got it right, it'd be boring. If you got it right all the time. So, uh, it's never boring. Put it that way. It must be why every wife in the world is always bored with their husbands. They're <laughs> always right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm looking at your list and it's quite different. I mean, clearly the top two are the same as everybody else's because it's just that obvious that they're they're cut above. But I'm looking down the list, and you've got a couple of players who are much higher, who are landing around five and six. Uh, Daniil Boo, for instance, you have him fairly high. Yeah. Scary high. Boo. Yeah. Boo. But Boo. Butte. Butte. He's a butte. <laughs> I, I don't know how you pronounce it, but... Yeah. The butt guy, he, butt guy. uh, yeah, he, and it's funny, like you talk to NHL scouts and, oh, I loved them two years ago. You know, they didn't really say to once it's like, uh, you keep seeing them and it's like, holy geez, this guy is like six, five. And he, he's got skill, like, uh, you know, rare skill for that size, like uh, in the Malkin 
Kopitar, uh, you know, um, more skilled than Kopitar really with his puck. Just uh, that package that you say, okay, this is rare. Um, if he wasn't Russian, he might well be, you know, three or four on a, on a lot of lists. And I think uh, I decided that I'm going to do my list and not weigh in the Russian factor on it because I don't think I can do it any other way. Um, and, you know, there's going to be stars beside these guys, asterisk there saying, you know, don't expect them to get it picked as high as I have them ranked just because uh, I wouldn't. If I was an NHL GM, uh, I probably wouldn't take Butte top five uh, or me maybe even not Meechkov. Um because they're signed for three years in the KHL, both of them. Uh, you don't know if they're ever going to come over. You don't know how they're going to develop. You have no say in their development. Uh, <laughs> there's just so many factors. You don't know how the war's going to go. Um, a lot of people are kind of a bit clued out with just how serious things are and how, how fractured the relationship is between Russia and the West now. Like and they're being fed propaganda all the time. I have do a they good even, idea with? Do, yeah, right. Yeah. Do do you like? Do they even want to come over? Some of these kids, they might not even want to. Yeah, they they still have access to specific uh, social media sites. True. So there's still True. there's still contact between the West and these players. Yeah. And the NHL is still that that gem, right? It's still a oh, sure. it's still got that gl that gleam that everybody wants to see, especially out there. Um but it, with with Daniel Boo, if he did slide say to 15 to 20 if that's where the Canadians are going to pick with their second pick, would you use that pick? Yeah. Absolutely. I think uh Montreal is one of those teams that should consider it at 15 or whatever, 20, because they have two picks, you know. I think teams with multiple picks have to consider these Russians that they slide um, because you have the other guy to, you know, to bounce, to rely on. Uh, if he doesn't pan out, well, you, you still got the other guy, right? Um, but if they both pan out, wow. You know, you could have two home runs and uh, there aren't going to be too many teams that have two home runs out of this draft. So, no. And that would make a huge, huge impact on the rebuild itself. Three years down the line, if you get a couple of home runs in this draft, that that'll turn a team from a really good playoff team to a contender. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's still a need for some size, like you look at the, all the young wingers on the team, yeah. aside from Slavkowski, you know, a lot of them are under six feet, you know, the prospects. So uh, you want to kind of get a mix in there and uh six, five winger would be nice with his skill set in the top six, yeah. like him and Slavkowski. Whew. You know, I, I mean, there's different things you could do. You could put them with, Doc and Slavkowski and have the most skilled six, four plus line in the league down the road. The you know? Oak line. Well, how do you stop them this cycling is... the puck? Those three exactly. when they're in their prime, you know, um, ideally you probably put one with Caulfield and you get that mix where you got, and then one with whoever out of the small wingers ends up getting the other second line winger spot, be it Roy or Farrell or uh, um, RHP, uh, you know, um, all of those guys are, are undersized as well. Roy's not as, as undersized, but he's still below the league average in, in size. So, you know, ideally you, you get that mix in the top six where there's a, you know, you don't have two two small wingers on, on the same line. It, it, at least one of them's brings some size and it can do the board work and get the pucks, fish the pucks out. Like, uh, like you do Blaine in your, uh, 
Is that your job or what? Uh, my job is to fill the water bottles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. With beer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a pro at that. Um, but I, I back to the list and the Canadians. There, there's several centers that you have hovering around there. We talked about Danil Boo. Another one, and one that I really, really like is Dalibor Dvorsky. Yeah. Boo's not a center, but um he's played a couple of games there, but he's he's definitely gonna be a winger. He's gonna be a winger, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh Dvorsky, he's versatile, he can play either, but he I see him as a as a uh, as a center, you know. Love the way he shut down uh the big guys at the World Juniors as a 17-year-old, you know, goes out against Cooley, shuts him down for the most part, goes out against uh, Bedard's line and really did a fantastic job. They, you know, Slovaks played the Canadians really hard, you know. Well, it was games, a tight so. game. Yeah, Very tight yeah. Game. It was a really tight uh, semifinal there. So, or a quarterfinal? I, quarterfinal. I quarterfinal. Yeah. We almost didn't make the uh, semis with with Bedard putting on the show because the in large part because of Dvorsky, you know. Yes. Uh, I mean, at that age to be able to do that, just I, I'm surprised at how many people are under. They just keep looking at his stats in uh, playing in the men's league and say, "Oh well, he can't be top ten because he's uh, he doesn't have great stats." Well, seventeen years old. Uh, the big best stat that I, you know, was that he played 38 games or whatever it was, as far as I'm concerned, and most of them at center in a top three role. That, you know, and then every time he plays junior, every time he plays world junior, you know, or anyone close to his own peers, he, he produces. So, uh, I, yeah, he doesn't have fantastic offensive upside, but he's going to be such a good. Uh, shut down centerman with size uh competitiveness the, you know um hockey's always going to be played with two nets right so it's just as important to keep him out of your own net as it is to put him in the other so uh coaches are going to love him he you know he'll play a huge role whatever team he he lines with and him and Kapanen and Beck imagine those three together on on your third line you know, don't have to worry about the defense. That's for sure. Oh, I mean, they're both, they, they could all be just fantastic third line centers in the NHL. I think they all have second line center potential. So, but you know, again, they're, that's adding the, the guys that can play center to your top nine. You know, I, I I'd love, ideally I wouldn't mind them having five or six guys that, that can play center that, that are in their top, nine and it can play any situation you know you can you can move it around so and with Dvorsky he's I see him as someone who has an upside of 50 to 60 points which doesn't sound like a lot but when you put that together with the defensive aspect of his game that is someone who can impact a game tremendously especially in in the playoffs yeah Phil Deneau how good was, yeah. you know, one of the huge reasons why Montreal went from almost winning the Stanley Cup to, you know, finishing at the bottom of the Stanley was because they lost Deneau. Yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> and then L.A. went from being mediocre to, you know, being a playoff team. You know, it's two straight years. Uh, well, it, he, he, it makes such an, an impact having that all-around player, you know. He's been compared to guys like Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly. I, I even see a bit of like Bergeron type, you know, that potential. Uh, I mean, you know, if Bergeron, if you put Bergeron with uh, second line wingers, is as it is, he's a 70, 60 to 70 point guy playing with Pasternak and Marchand. Huh. You put a you know you put a Dvorsky with guys of that caliber, he's going to be a seventy. He's going to be a 60, 70 point 
NHL center too, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's the next Bergeron, but he's one of the prospects in the last 15 years that reminds me the most of, of a Bergeron type, like that has that potential. Not, you know, last year it was said about right and it wasn't, I didn't think it was true. It wasn't but right. This kid, this kid, I, I, I see that type of uh, potential. So, yeah, you know, it would be exciting to get him. I think he'd be a great, a great ad at uh, six, five, for sure. He's in my top five, and so I mean, anybody in my top five at the Habs end up with, I think, is, you know, is great. So, I wouldn't mind the Canadians getting Fantilli personally. That's me. <laughs> at five, maybe Bedard, maybe. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, that goes without we'll saying. That I yeah. love them though. You know, the win the lottery, but I think it's forty-four percent chance that they draft sixth. Yeah, it's more it, likely know, they, they end up sixth five, than anything else. Yeah, right. And yeah. if they end up sixth, it's probably forty-four percent chance that they end up seventh. Uh, no, it's still sixth. Close, close to that, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, doesn't matter if they finish fifth or sixth. Six still has the most possibility. Seven is the next one, and then five is the third one. Like if they finish fifth, the biggest possibility is that they move back one. If they finish sixth, I would suspect the biggest possibility is that they move back one, right? The biggest possibility is they stay put. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's right. still around 40 some odd percent. Okay. But I would expect they move down another one anyway, because why not? They got to make sure Arizona gets that top pick in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> they won it last year. So, you know. Hopefully, Phoenix sues uh, the Arizona Coyotes for that first pick. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so before, before we finish off the show, I wanted to ask you about the top defenseman. Now, there's, there is an outside chance the Canadians go with a defenseman that early. I don't think so, but it could happen. Now, you've got a couple of defensemen in your top 10. Which one of your these two defensemen would you rather pick? Would it be Reinbacher or Guliyev? Guliyev? Yeah, Gully. We'll just call him Gully. Um, no, they're not taking Guliyev. I wouldn't think uh, there's even a remote possibility of that in their top six, but uh, I mean, he's five ten Russian defenseman, you know, um, but I love him. I mean, he, he's the best skater. He's a better. I think he's a better defender than Quinn Hughes and skates every bit as well. You know, he's obviously not going to be the playmaker that Hughes is, but uh you know, he, he, I think he could be an impact NHL defenseman if, if he comes over, who knows, but, uh, yeah, I think there's a very, if honestly, if you ask me who I think Montreal, it, it, you know, I think Reinbacher is, is, would be the guy that they target more than even the forwards, to be honest with you. Um, the reason being for that, for me is that, well, I mean, if you take Dvorsky, let's say, uh, you don't expect him to be better in Suzuki. You don't, is he going to be better than Doc? Uh, so does he end up being your third line center or second line winger or maybe first line winger? Reinbacher could be top pairing right defenseman you know and if not he'd be the second pairing right defenseman I, I see him being an ideal partner for Hudson down the road I think he uh, needs a big uh, all-around solid defensive defenseman as his partner down the road and I don't know that Mayu ultimately will be that and so you put Mayu with Gooley and you put Hudson with Reinbacher and, you know, trade everybody else. 
<laughs> no, but you know, like you, yeah. you let everybody else fight it out for those other two spots. You know, Jack, I, you, you love the element that he brings, right? So you think maybe he's the other left defenseman. How many, you know, how many, and, and that's not even talking about Matheson, right? So, and he's the best defenseman on the Canadians. So, uh, yeah. You know, obviously we'd be talking three or four years down the road for these guys, but Reinbacher can be a top four NHL defenseman within a couple of years, I think. And uh, so can Mayu. So they're on your, you know, they're in your top two pairings within two to three years. That's, I think they can contend at that point. So that yeah. has to be, you know, highly considered. You can never draft too many defensemen, especially right defensemen, because they they hold their value, and you can always trade. You know, the ones that don't make it, there's going to be a bunch that I think will have value in within the NHL, and you can fill other other spots, be it goaltending, you know, big big winger, maybe uh, what have you, uh, uh, with with the excess defenseman that you have now with Reinbacher too um he he likes to emulate Roman Yossi that's that's his favorite defenseman that's who he, he idolizes and you can see some of that in his game I mean he skate he skates really well he uh he's well positioned he's got a good stick uh and he he knows how to read the play in his own zone really well Already, he's a top pair defenseman in the National League out in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 might be why a lot of people are placing him as uh, the next Maurice Sider, you know, a, a big defenseman who plays in a league that's normally not seen as, you know, high end when it comes to competition. Right. Right. N- yeah. Well, I mean, he's not as big as Sider, and probably doesn't have as much offensive upside. Uh, no. You know, he doesn't shoot like Cider. He's not quite as as strong as Cider, but yeah. Um, I think because Cider uh, had such success at such an early, you know, coming over that I, I think that may result in him being uh, drafted higher than people expect, you know, Um it's been more than 25 years since uh, the NHL didn't pick a defenseman in the top five in the draft. So, you know, will this be the year that there isn't? Well, there's such value. Uh, like, Reinbacher, I can't see him not being a 20-plus minute a, a game defenseman once, you know, in his prime. And the, that value, you know, is is it's such value for a, for a team. And plus these guys, you know, unless they put up monster points, you don't have to pay them $10 million a year either, right? So, you know, you're in his prime. If he's a top-pairing defenseman, he's making five, $6 million a year, playing 23 minutes a game. You you can't beat that value. So um, if, if he's he there. Had, but he only had two points in the World Juniors. He can't be that good. Yeah, yeah. Austria, all his those great line mates that he had, you know, how could he not have got more points? Yeah, exactly. My God. <laughs> not to mention the fact that he was uh he was not eating solid food that entire time. Yeah, that, that might have helped. You know, that might have had something to do with it. Would have. Yeah. Well, I mean, he down the stretch in the uh Swiss League, he put up uh really good points as the season went along. And in the playoffs, scored some big goals. Uh, showed that he has some offensive upside for sure. So I, I could see him being a 40, you know, in, in his best years, being a 40-plus point guy that plays all situations. And uh, um, I think that would be a great addition to the right side of the Canadians in the future. I mean, they do need right defensemen. So yeah, yeah, it's a possibility. Well, hopefully he's there, and uh, if he is, then it's certainly going to be one of the options, I think, for sure. Uh, well, 
giddy up. <laughs> yeah. So I've convinced you. Didn't take much, eh? No, no, no I'm not convinced yet. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> I I still love this random uh, random name guy from like in the middle of the, the people's draft list. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna climb up for sure. <laughs> random name bunch of numbers is gonna make his way up. Yep. Well, I think our forty five minutes is up, sir. I think so. Uh, I really do appreciate the time that you've given me. I do appreciate you coming on the show again and okay. sharing a little bit of this and basically shooting the breeze about prospects and the Canadians and everything else. Um, it's always fun. So, yeah, I always do have fun. That's why I, that's why I send you weird text messages every now and then, just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so why All don't good. you just remind everyone where they can find all this great stuff. Yeah. Um, what great stuff? No, your, your, your stuff. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Uh, well, like it's only great when you contribute. So, you know, oh. um, I'll be expecting that, uh, report. May you report sometime in the next two weeks. And, uh, and everybody goes to recruit.ca recruits. .ca, that's how it's spelled, no I. And, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter if uh, you don't mind the odd anti-Trump uh, post. You know, I mixed the odd one in there, uh, you know. So, uh, admittedly, I'm not a Trump. Admittedly, I'm not a Trumper. And, uh, yeah, if you can put up with that, uh, you know, I'll, I post lots of good uh, prospect stuff on Twitter and give my opinions on the Canadians and give the odd dig to Blaine and you know, all yeah. the good stuff. Basically like everybody else. Yeah. Dig, dig on Blaine. Yeah. I, it's a good thing. I have big shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I really do thank you for coming back and uh, I can't wait to have you come back again a little bit later sometime this summer, perhaps before the draft. We'll Hopefully. see. Okay. And if you do find a way to get down to Nashville, I know a really good place. Okay. A rock. There's a rock bar down there somewhere. Oh no. There's all kinds of blues bars. I'm going to be in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, they've got a good, uh, a good eclectic mix there. You'd be surprised. It's not all country. That's for sure. You, you have fun but again. Again, thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, for my listeners, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sharing your ideas, your pl your thoughts, your requests for, uh, for guests. And uh, if you're talking about it, so are we. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.